Welcome to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast, Episode 19. I'm Chris McKee, your host, as usual, on a frigid early Friday evening here in the Toronto area. We usually start with the number one team in the country, who of course is a mid-major, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They improved to 16-0 last night with a comfortable 90-62 win over San Diego. Behind a very balanced attack from the Zags this time, 20 points from Drew Timmy. Corey Kispert with 19 points and 8 rebounds, and 17 points from Jalen Suggs along with 6 rebounds, as well as 5 points and 10 assists from Andrew Nemhart, which made me start to think about, you know, the Gonzaga Bulldogs this year remind me of the Los Angeles Lakers of the early 2000s with Shaq and Kobe. Look, I'm not saying they have the talent of that, but I'm talking about how they frustrate their opponents. So for those who remember, you know, I'm an older guy, the Shaq and Kobe era of the Lakers, teams would come in and say, all right, we're going to shut down Shaq, we're going to shut down Kobe tonight, and obviously easier said than done, but some nights they were successful in doing it, you know, maybe Shaq only had 15 or Kobe with 17, and that's considered shutting those guys down, but then you would have a dude like Rick Fox off the bench with 24, or Robert Ori, we all, hey, Big Shot Bob, right? How many big shots has this guy had in his game? You don't get the name Big Shot Bob without making big shots. So Robert Ori would sometimes come in and, and frustrate the opponents. Derek Fisher, Brian Shaw, all these guys now head coaches. And of course, Rick Fox going on to be a Lothario actor. But it was so frustrating, and I, and I loved that version of the Lakers because of that. It was, you thought you had them beat because Kobe only had 16 one night. Yeah, sorry, Rick Fox with 26 off the bench. And so you see that with Gonzaga. You know, if it's not Timmy, you oh, people come in with a game plan to shut down Jalen Suggs. Well, good luck. That's cool. Well, Drew Timmy will put up 20. Corey Kispert, whatever. You know, we've talked about Joel Ayai, Andrew Nemhart. It is so deep, so many angles they come at you, and it is just damn near impossible to stop them. So, I mean, the Zags right now are unstoppable. So as far as some of the rankings where they rank offensively and defensively, they are the number one scoring offense in college basketball. 94.1 points per game, which I think they're about four points more per game over Iowa, I believe, was number two. Iowa up there in a lot of categories, the only team that is statistically comparable to Gonzaga, but Gonzaga wiped the floor with them when they played head-to-head earlier this season. So the Zags, number one in scoring offense, they're number five in assist to turnover ratio. They're number three in assists in the country. I mean, that speaks to the type of ball they play. It is beautiful ball movement. Everybody get it around, get it around, pass the ball around, and it's it's tough to beat. Now, the teams that are ahead of them, believe it or not, in assists, they're number three. McNeese State. So now, now we got to watch some McNeese State. And, of course, Iowa, as mentioned. So the Zags, number 23 in defensive rebounds. They're number one in field goal percentages in the country with 55%. They're number 11 in free throws made, number 14 in rebound marching, and number 35 in steals per game. So defensively, even getting it done. I mean, Suggs, you watch him. He's just such a shark when it comes to his defense and that. But, you know, statistically, the Zags are getting it done, but just they pass the eye test. You watch them for five minutes. They are the best team in college basketball, and I will be shocked if they are not the national champions in 2021. So next up for the Zags, tomorrow they play Pepperdine, who's 7-7 seven and seven on the season, but they're a pretty good team. 
Now, I'm not saying they're going to give the Zags a go, but uh, they are coming off a big win this week over BYU. BYU is a damn good team. And Pepperdine, you know, they, they got them this week. So it looks like they're revving up the engine. You know, they've stepped up their game. And I think they're going to give them a little bit of a run, but you you should see Gonzaga pull away late in that game and uh, improve to 17-0 and still be the number one team in the country. So coming up a little bit later in today's podcast, uh, this past week was the 20th anniversary of the plane crash that killed 10 members of Oklahoma State's basketball team back in 2001. And I know Oklahoma State, not a mid-major, but Stephen F. Austin's head coach, Kyle Keller, who was an assistant on that Oklahoma State staff, um, has a real I mean, life-altering experience when it comes to that plane crash. Kyle was supposed to be on that plane that crashed and had his seat switched last minute. And so I'm going to talk about that. I remember a couple of years ago, one of the first times, or it might have been even the first time I interviewed Kyle and mentioned, I've interviewed him a number of times. I have an excellent relationship with him and, and I root for him and I support him. But he told me the story about that day and how it's affected his life and stuff. So I'm going to play some of that audio. I went digging a little in my archives and, and found that audio from 2016, I believe. And obviously, you know, more than relevant with the 20th anniversary of that plane crash. So a little bit later on, I'm going to play that. Also going to give you my betting picks at the end of the podcast. I went two for three on Tuesday's podcast. If you check that out, go back and give it a listen, episode 18. So uh, coming back with a little heat. The one game I did lose was I thought Boise State. They were It was like Boise State minus one and a half against Colorado State. And I'm going to talk about that game pretty intense. But I thought Boise State... Because if Boise State won, they were ranked. So to me, that was like a tournament game, and they came out and got whacked by a really good Colorado State team, who I will get to today. They are impressing me so much. We're going to talk a little under-the-radar players, as we do uh, usually. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the pod. But first, I want to go through some of the scores and news from the past week of college basketball going back to Tuesday night. So the only other mid-major team that was ranked in the AP Top 25, St. Louis Billikens were number 22, but they lost to Dayton 76-71 behind 27 points from Jalen Crutcher. So Dayton improves to 9-4. and four. So St. Louis drops to 7-2, and two, and they hadn't played in over a month, and that was one of my betting picks. Dayton was getting 8 points, and I thought, well, they could beat them, but at worst, they're going to cover that because I just saw, you know, over five weeks just sitting there, not playing, and then you're going to come back and play and play a darn good Dayton team behind Jalen Crutcher, who... I mean, he's a professional. He's going to get a shot in Europe, maybe G League, and uh, maybe a guy, I, you know, in time, maybe work his way into the NBA. But he's a baller. He's definitely a professional. And uh, I just thought that was a tough matchup. And I was right. Got my uh, got my betting pick right. So, of course, don't forget, stay tuned to the end of the pod. I'll give you some more picks. So going back to Tuesday as well, I watched Akron blow out Eastern Michigan, 86-65. It was never a game. Akron improves to 9-3. They're the number two team in the MAC. They're really good. Watch out for them. So the number one team in the MAC, Toledo, they also won Tuesday 90-81 over Miami, Ohio. JT Shoemate with 33 points. He almost had a near-perfect game shooting. So he was 5 of 5 from three-point range from behind the arc. 11 of 11 field goals total, but 6 for 7 for three throws. So he missed one free throw or he would have had a perfect shooting night, which... I mean, pretty rare in college basketball to see that. I always remember that. You know, that's a lot of people always forget about that Christian Leitner performance against Kentucky in the 92 NCAA tournament, where the shot where he had the shot, 
you know, the improbable buzzer beater, the, you know, one of the greatest things I talked about this a couple weeks ago, it's the greatest thing I've seen live. I mean, not live. I watched it on TV, but, uh, to watch that happen in front of my eyes was mind blowing. And one of the things that people forget was Christian Leitner had a perfect scoring night that night. So <laughs> that last shot capped off his perfect scoring night. And so, Hey, I'm not saying JT Shoemate is Christian Leitner from Duke in the early nineties, but that's pretty impressive. Uh, 33 and almost darn near perfect on the night. So also going back to Tuesday, Drake, okay, one of the gutsiest performance of the college basketball season. They won 68-61 over a really good Missouri State team. And I tuned into a little bit of this game early. I was at my, my traffic reporting job, so I did have it on a little bit. But Drake was down big early, like 15, 18 points. I don't remember the exact, but I remember seeing the score early going, oh, ooh, well, there goes Drake's perfect season. No. You know, whatever the hell happens at halftime, Darian DeVries, their head coach, you know, maybe through the the Gatorade bucket, whatever. But Drake came out like a house on fire, got the win behind 20 points from Roman Penn. Darnell Brody with 16 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks, and unbelievable. I mean, just one of the gutsiest performance of the season, keep their perfect record intact. And then they beat them again the next night. So they came back, back-to-back -back wins. And so you got to think Drake now, they were, I think, you know, in the numbers, 27th in the AP voting. So you got to think they're going to get in now. St. Louis losing a couple other of the power conference teams, you know, losing. So, I mean, Drake does play Illinois State on Sunday, who Illinois State, they're 5-10 and 10 on the season, ninth in the, in the uh, Missouri Valley, excuse me. And so you got to think Drake, you know, definitely going to be the favorite in that game. But as Illinois State, man, you know, they got some guys, and so not a given but if Drake wins that, they are going to be ranked. So that should give them some motivation to get the W on Sunday. So going back to Wednesday, I watched a bit of the VMI game against Western Carolina. It was painfully boring, but uh, VMI won. Well, they were up 74-53 with seven minutes left when I finally turned it off. Neither team really showed flashes of anything. And it's surprising. Western Carolina was off to a great start and now winless in the SoCon. So I think they're last place now in the SoCon. I, I took a look a few minutes ago, but um, not looking good for them. Speaking of not looking good, so also on Wednesday, Duquesne beat Fordham 86-62, which led to the resignation, aka firing, of their head coach, Jeff Neubauer. So Neubauer had been there since 2015. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Eastern Kentucky from 2005 to 2015. He played his college ball at LaSalle, 1989-93, to 93, but just 61-104 and 104 overall since 2015 at Fordham, and just 1-7 this year, which led to his termination. So a new gig opening up. So for those who don't know, Fordham is in New York City. It's a school in the Bronx, a private school. Um, so I would imagine the educational standard pretty uh, high. But, you know, I, I just can't understand that. how a school in New York City cannot get players in 2021. It's just mind-blowing, you know. Even getting the CD recruits. you got to find some guys that can ball in New York City, for God's sake. So, Jeff Neubauer looking for a new job right now. So, also on Wednesday, uh, I watched the entire Sam Houston State versus Texas A&M Corpus Christi game. Excellent game. It was back and forth. Sam Houston State edged them out late, 75-70. So they're now 13-5. And the number one team in the Southland, they look really good. 
And, uh, I, you know, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, they came out. You could see, you know, they're middle of the pack, Southland team, but they gave it their all, gave them a game. But um, Sam Houston up for the test. So also up for the test, Wednesday, UNC Greensboro beat Mercer 81-68. They've now won five in a row. So watch out for them down in the SoCon, getting really good. And uh, they're the number two team in the SoCon right now behind East Tennessee State, which I find shocking. I mean, not really. I mean, they won the SoCon last year, but they started off terrible. And I thought, ooh, wow, that's, you know, it was it Steve Forbes, their head coach, has gone to take the wake job. And so, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off, but it looks like they just played a tough early season schedule, you know, some Power 5 conference teams, whatever, and um, struggled against them. But once they got to conference schedule, East Tennessee State, sneaky good, creeping up, number one team in the SoCon, so bet you didn't know that. So also going back to Wednesday, I got an email. I'm on a couple different college email lists. The, the sports information directors send you information about teams and got one from Idaho. So on Wednesday... Idaho center Jack Wilson announced he's quitting basketball. Well, why is that such a big deal? Well, it's the second time he's done this. So coming out of high school, this kid was a four-star recruit and committed to Oregon State. And then in 2018, midseason announced he was quitting and ended up transferring to Idaho. I guess, you know, looking for a fresh start. And uh, had to sit out last year, I believe, and then played in four games this year, averaged 1.3 points per game, and has announced he's quitting. So I wonder, it's one of those things. The kid's seven feet tall, and when you're seven feet tall, I don't think people allow you to have other interests. You know, I think people are obviously going to push you towards basketball from a young age, and it just doesn't look like this young I don't know the young man. I don't know his story. But it doesn't look like his heart is into basketball. And so kudos to him. You know, you know, it's finally making that decision. I just hope he sticks to it because you don't quit twice on teams and then look for a third shot. I think it's time to start, hey, what else is there in life? You know, not everyone, just because you're seven feet tall doesn't mean you have to play basketball. And I understand the pressures because I've seen it with kids, you know, growing up. Um, but, hey, all the, all the best of luck to this young man. And hopefully he finds his path in life. So also Wednesday night, Abilene Christian surprisingly hammered Stephen F. Austin, 82-62. Watched a little bit of the game. The Jacks, man, just, they didn't have anything that game. So Abilene Christian, their defense is suffocating and just showed it right there. So speaking of suffocating, Wednesday night, I mean, what a game. Colorado State absolutely destroys Boise State, 78-56. And so this is that part of the season where, the pretenders are exposed, and the teams that are legit come to the forefront. So Colorado State is emerging to the forefront as perhaps the gutsiest team in college basketball. I can't say enough about how good they are, how tough they are, because Colorado State, they don't have any NBA guys. You know, there's no lottery pick on Colorado State. I mean, the guy Roddy is a 6'5 power forward. You know, it's like he's this bull of a, a dude and I love his game and he's the dude that hit the big shot to tie it against San Diego State you know help, help take that game and, and help come back and win that game so you look at the gutsy performances by Colorado State this year I mean this win over Boise if Boise won that game they're ranked in the, in the AP top 25 and Colorado State goes in and just smacks them just gives it to them and so that type of performance, the huge comeback win, which we spoke about a couple weeks ago against San Diego State, where my guy Ken Palm 
had a 0.8% probability of them coming back in that game to beat San Diego State, and they won it. I also talked about how garbage I think some of Ken Palm's analytics are. Obviously, there's room for analytics, but putting a 0.8% on their win probability is garbage because Colorado State winning proved that stat doesn't exist, nor is it legit. But I just can't say enough about how good they are, and I think it is so important that Colorado State gets in the NCAA tournament. I don't care. Like, even if they don't win the Mountain West, they deserve an at-large bid because this is a team that's proven. Like, let's say they get in as, like, a 12 or 13 seed, which is where I think legitimately they probably will be ranked if they do get in with an at-large as opposed to winning the Mountain West. But if they do win the Mountain West, I think you'll see them as, like, an 8-9 seed. But let's say they get into the 12-13 seed and they're playing against you know a major conference program and they're down 12 early. This is not a team that is going to falter, you know, stutter, choke, or worry. These guys got cojones, <laughs> and I can't say enough about how good they are. And it will be a travesty to humanity if Colorado State doesn't make March Madness this year. We all need to see it because I guarantee they'll win a game or two once they get there. So I think a lot of that credit to Colorado State this year. Nico Medved, their head coach. I mean, this guy's got to be in the conversation for, you know, coach of the year. If not Mountain West coach of the year, if not national coach of the year, the job Medved's done. So he's been there since 2018. Prior to that, he was a head coach at Drake, 2017-18. And before that, at Furman from 2013. I mean, he's just done a wonderful job. I mentioned no NBA guys. He's got talent. He's got players. But I don't think anyone gets as much out of his team and as much out of the talent he has as Nico Medved at Colorado State, man. Hats off to him. So late Wednesday night, I watched the entire game. It was a really good one. Utah State versus UNLV. Yeah, Utah State won 83-74. I mentioned a couple pods ago. I love those late night uh, Mountain West games on CBS. Or the, I think this one was on uh, FS1. It's gotten on one of the dodgy streams. But... I was so blown away at a couple performances I saw. So both of these guys will be my under-the-radar player watch this week. So the first is Raleigh Worcester. So in that game, in the win over UNLV, he had 19 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists. So a rebound and an assist off a triple-double. And this kid is unbelievable. When you kind of see him, he's a 6'3 guard, white guy, doesn't look particularly built, you know. Doesn't blow you away. He's not one of those guys when you walk into the gym, you're going to go, who the hell's that guy? But five minutes into the game, you're going to go, who the hell's that guy? And so he's from Missoula, Montana. So in high school, he was a two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. He was also an All-State safety in football and got honorable mention All-State as a quarterback. So in his high school career, 3,400 yards passing, over 2,000 yards rushing. He's averaging 10 points per game. He's not one of those guys that when you walk into the gym will wow you, but when you leave the gym, you're, you're going to be like, whoa, wow, who, who, the, who the hell is Raleigh Worcester? This guy can ball. Watch out for him. Uh, I think he's got a great future at Utah State. And then another guy I was completely blown away with on Utah State. So Namias Keita, and I hope I'm saying his name right, he's a seven-footer. From Barrio, Portugal. So it's Portugal. <laughs> for those that know. So he's been second team all Mountain West for the past couple years. Mountain West all defensive team. Seven footer. And I liken him to uh, Pascal Siakam. He reminds me so much of Pascal Siakam with a little bit of Joel Embiid on him. Now, is he that talented? No. Is he going to be a lottery pick like Embiid? No. Is he an NBA player? Hell yeah. 
So this guy, I mean, with that kind of length, this kind of athleticism, he's got great feet. I mean, he's got to work on his offensive game. I watched that entire game and, and really enjoyed his performance. He's got a great little sky hook. You know, I always love when the seven-footers, you know, channel the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sky hook. And Kate has got that. Uh, he's got to work on his mid-range jumper. And, of course, even in the NBA, seven-footers are going to be expected to hit the three. So that's a part of his game he's got to improve. But defensively, he's as good a center power forward as there is in college basketball. I don't think he's as good as Charles Bassey, Western Kentucky. I think maybe in that second level behind him. So is this guy going to be a first-round pick? I doubt it. Um, if he is, it'll be very late in the first round, but second round and no doubt in my mind will then get, uh, you know, at worst, you know, he'll get a free agent contract, maybe a two-way contract, but you will see Namias Keita in the NBA under the radar player guy. So he's played internationally for Portugal for the U20 team. Uh, and then he got injured last year. Uh, I think a dislocated kneecap, which I think he was going to explore the NBA draft last year due to the injury. But he's come back. He he looks amazing. And again, just, you know, I watched Pascal Siakam when he was at New Mexico State. So I knew kind of where his development was. And I think Keita is a much better player at this level. And then Siakam took his game to a whole new level in the NBA. I'm in Toronto. I followed Pascal, you know, seen just about every game the guy's played. And I think Keita can be better than him. And so that's some pretty high praise, but I believe he is an, M an, an NBA guy, you know, former Mountain West Freshman of the Year as well in 2018-19. He's got the accolades, so those who see him recognize it. And if you haven't seen him, take some time. you got to watch him. Uh, and that's my second member of the Under the Radar Player Watch this past week. So speaking of my Under the Radar Player Watch, going back to one of my first podcasts I did on Utah Valley big man Fardaz Amick, a kid out of B.C., uh, another well, 6'11 guy, I wouldn't say 7-footer, almost there. But he's been added to the Lou Henson Player of the Year watch. He's leading college basketball in rebounds. I think he's 16, 17 rebounds a game right now. And that's a guy that I caught early and mentioned him here on the Under the Player Raider watch. And now, hey, the rest of college basketball catching up to me. And so, I mean, same thing with... Uh, you know, Charles Bassey, we're talking about him quite a bit, and now everyone and their mother and Jalen Suggs as well. So you want the real info, listen to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. I'm telling you who the guys are before the so-called experts will. Well, speaking of that, last week I talked about my under-the-radar player watch, Jacoby Wood on Belmont. And I watched some of the Belmont game last night. We'll talk about it. But I posted on my Twitter, at Mr. McKee. If you're not following me yet, please drop me a follow. But I posted my segment from the pod talking about Jacoby and uh, I got all sorts of retweets and likes. It's over a couple thousand views right now. And I got some fantastic messages. One, Jacoby would personally thank me. Hey, thanks for doing that, sir. Um, and then I got a message from his high school coach, Reggie Tucker. And Reggie, speaking of Utah State, he played at Utah State before transferring over to LSU. And then played uh, professionally in Europe for years and stuff. But um, he sent me a message going, Chris, thank you so much. Because, I mean, everything you said is exactly what I was saying. I was calling this guy a high major player. And so Jacoby Wood on Belmont, if you haven't seen him, this kid's unbelievable. But Mr. Basketball in the state of Tennessee in high school, but was only like a one-star, one or two-star recruit. Nobody recruited him, not even listed on like 24-7 arrivals or any of these major recruiting sites. Verbal commits had him as a two-star, and the kid is a baller. And so uh, thanks, Reggie, for the message. Really appreciate it and all the support from the Belmont fans retweeting and supporting the mid-major podcast, so awesome to see. So speaking of that, Thursday night, I watched so many good games last night. It was, uh, it was I mean, I was in a great space. It's my day off work, so hanging out, having a couple beers, and, and tuning into a bunch of games. I get I get a split screen going on my computer, four games at once, and flicking back and forth. But 
I watched the entire Belmont game against Austin Pay. What a game. Uh, back and forth. And there was times, I mean, Austin Pay had a couple of leads. And so Belmont, who are 16-1 going in, now 17-1 after getting the 81-76 win with 19 points from Grayson Murphy and 10 rebounds. That guy's a player. So if you haven't seen Grayson Murphy on Belmont, uh, this guy's a baller. And, of course, Jacoby Wood. He was Jacoby was good last night, a little reckless with the ball, a couple turnovers, but uh, didn't end up costing him, and he was still key. Last few minutes of the game, he's out there directing traffic. He's pushing the ball, and this guy's a true freshman. So Belmont now 17-1, and and watch out for them. But one of the most annoying things I've seen this year in college basketball, so there's a kid on Austin Pay. Carlos Paez or Paez, uh, he's a 5'10 guard from Venezuela. And one of the most embarrassing performance I've seen this year. So I guess he was dealing with a little bit of a leg injury, a cramp or something. But if you looked at Carlos's face and saw his action, it was like he got shot. It was like Lee Harvey Oswald was up in the rafters and picked him off three times, and the agony, and the rolling around, and so remember, Venezuela, and keep in mind, I'm a soccer guy, I love soccer, I still play soccer, I have a son who's committed to a university to play soccer next year, my parents are from Liverpool, England, so I get soccer, I love soccer, but this guy, Carlos Paez's antics, absolutely pathetic, you know Neymar, who plays her uh, Perry St. Germain and the Brazilian team and you've all seen the the pathetic rolling around on the floor and you know someone like basically just brushes by Neymar and he drops like a bag of bricks and that's Carlos Paez of Austin Pay. The antics were ridiculous and so he's doing this whole thing where he gets helped off the floor because he's he's his legs not gonna work he goes over to the bench and he's writhing in pain and then like a WWE actor, because they're not athletes, an actor, you know, there's two minutes left in the game and he pushes everyone aside and then sprints out in the court and shows zero sign that he's actually hurt. So nothing. It's just all a giant act. And so, Carlos, I know you're from Venezuela. That's how things go when it comes to soccer. We're talking the United States here. Cut that crap out. It was embarrassing to watch. It was tough to watch. And if you're hurt, stay off. If you're not, otherwise, stop with the wincing and grimacing and get out there and play, kid. But, oh, my God, that wound me up. Something fierce. And, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. I, I just uh, – watch it. And the kid can play, and that's the sad part about it. He's not a bad player. But just stop with the antics already. So another game I did watch last night. It was excellent. It was a couple great games all at once. UAB versus Middle Tennessee. I kind of give – uh, a little bit of grief to Middle Tennessee in in last episode's podcast, which please go give that give that a listen. But talking about how since Kermit Davis has left to take the old Miss job, they haven't been that good of a team. Well, they looked really good last night, but fell a little short to a really damn good UAB team. So UAB now thirteen and two. Last night, Tavin Loven twenty three point six rebounds, and they look to be. I mean, UAB could be marching towards March Madness. The way they're playing right now, excellent game. And that was it was a back and forth. They just pulled away late. But credit to Middle Tennessee, a little bit of guts in that game. I also watched last night Weber State 81-56 over Idaho. So Weber State improved to 8-4. Started off really slow this year. I think they were 2-3 and three at one point. And now 8-4. And, four, and uh, looking pretty good in the big sky. And a uh, bit of a reclamation project. I think he would have eight, nine new players this year at Weber State. So had his first losing season in about... A decade last season, cleaned house, bought in a bunch of a whole new talent, 
and uh, looks to be working for him so far. Also watched last night a little bit of the Moorhead State versus Jacksonville State game. I cannot get to the OVC. I love the OVC. And uh, this was a pretty good one, 85-66, Moorhead pulled away late. And I also watched a little bit of the Louisiana Tech 76-63 win over Southern Miss. Game was a snooze fest, and I've talked about this in the past couple episodes. Louisiana Tech is the most boring, best team you will see in college basketball. So they're 13-5 and right now. But watch them, and I, I dare you to find me something special about them. You can't, other than at the end of the game, they get a win, and they keep kicking ass. And so you can't knock it. Not everything has to be beautiful, splendid, delicious basketball because Louisiana Tech doesn't play it, but they get W's, and hey, that's what counts, right? Speaking of W's, last night, I didn't get to see any game because I was watching a whole bunch of the others, but Winthrop, 84-80 over UNC Asheville, so Winthrop still undefeated, 16-0, looking really good, and so they're going to keep on marching I, you know, in, in the Big South. They're the cream of the crop right now. Look for Winthrop to go dancing come March, and last night also watched a little bit of the UT Martin 51-41 win over Eastern Illinois. Again, you know, I can't get enough of the OVC. So that's the wrap-up of some of the games over the past week. And, of course, it's Friday night here, so plenty of action headed this weekend. And I'll get to my betting picks shortly. But So this past week on January 27th was the 20th anniversary of the tragic accident that happens to the Oklahoma State family where 10 members of the you know, broadcast team, players, and coaching staff died in a plane crash following a game in Colorado. So why are we talking about this on the mid-major pod? Well, one of the assistant coaches on that team at the time was Kyle Keller, who's been the head coach at Stephen F. Austin for a couple of years now, I think since, what, 2015 or so. And prior to his you know, being the head coach there, he was an assistant at Stephen F. Austin, but also at Oklahoma State. Texas A&M, Kansas under Bill Self. He's worked under some amazing you know, basketball minds, including Coach Eddie Sutton, the legendary Coach Eddie Sutton, who was the head coach of Oklahoma State at this time. So in order to get prepared for the next game they had coming up, Eddie Sutton says to Kyle Keller, hey, I need you to switch plane seats on the flight home um, because I need you to get back early and start preparing tape for the game we have upcoming. So pull someone off that plane and uh, get on this plane with us because we're going back and I, and I need you there faster. So Kyle Keller then goes on the plane and switches seats with his nephew, Nate Fleming, who is on the team. He was a walk-on. So he says, Nate, hey, go take my seat. I got to get on this plane. So after that switch, um, you know, Kyle Keller, when they land, he says his phone starts blowing up getting calls from people and it's like you're alive and he's like what are you talking about i'm alive of course i'm alive he says well haven't you heard the other plane crashed and all 10 on that plane are dead so kyle keller escaped death on that day and he also you know i've talked to him about this carries a tremendous amount of guilt you know obviously this is his nephew that passed along with members of the broadcast team and coaching staff that he knew and loved and um but he got a second chance in life and so kyle's always very um candid in speaking with this and this was like i said i believe it was the first time i'd spoken to him back in 2016 and he talked about his purpose in life his purpose as a coach since that day and kind of being given a second chance in life and this is some of the audio he told me about you know what it meant you know getting that second chance and and how the effects of that plane crash have affected him over the past you know 15 years at the time and now 20 years since and for me you know 15 and a half years ago you know i coached i think because you know i wanted to win and now you know obviously you know coming back from january 27 2000 
purposes here. And it's not only to help these young men, you know, become better basketball players, but it's to help them in life to become better, um, you know, better sons. Hopefully when they leave here, become prepared to become husbands, become fathers, and to become successful people in society and and great ones and have long long term relationships. I mean, I've got a guy on my staff, Wade Mason, who played for me in the late nineties and at Tyler, and then went on to play for Perry Clark at Tulane, have a great career at Tulane, and we still have a great relationship. You know, not player coach, but we're we're, we're great friends. That stuff that that is really really I value today. That 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 I really enjoy my friendships with my former players, that, that we can have that. And I want those with these kids today, that, that, you know, it's not just about, hey, he helped me do this or he helped me do that. And I'm not saying other coaches are that way either. But for me, I have impactful, I've had impactful things in my life that have me focused on the decisions that I make with them each and every day, that I know why I make the decisions. And it's rooted on some things that, that changed my life and, and my wife. And that's why we do what we do. So there's Kyle Keller, the current head coach of Stephen F. Austin, who was a member of the Oklahoma State coaching staff at that time. Even since that day that I've talked to him, I still have a hard time grasp getting my head around that. Wow, like he's supposed to be dead. And here he is coaching. So I think living with that sort of freedom and knowing that every day is a blessing and I think that's helped allow success for Kyle at Stephen F. Austin. I think his players play with that same sort of attitude. I mean, you saw it last year, you know, them going into Cameron Indoor and beating Duke on a buzzer beater with Nathan Bain. And, you know, their multiple NCAA appearances or NCAA tournament appearances over the past seven, eight years, you know, and a couple under Kyle as well. And so I, that's why I'm always a big fan of Stephen F. Austin, what they're doing and what Kyle's doing because of this. I mean, this guy's playing and coaching with purpose, and it's hard not to you know, be drawn to that and support it. So, hey, next time you watch Stephen F. Austin, if you weren't familiar with that story, there's a little tidbit to maybe root a little harder for, for Kyle and his guys. So, on a brighter note, we're going to wrap up today's pod with the betting picks. Mentioned two of three after going 0 for 2 in my previous one. So, got back off the schneid and, and right of the ship. Looked pretty good. So, here's three games. These are all for Saturday. I'm recording this Friday night, so that way give you some time to download it. And listen it. So coming up on Saturday, Akron minus 4.5 against Ball State. Ball State, a pretty decent team in the middle of the pack in the MAC, but Akron surging. They're number two in the MAC right now. Talked about nine and three. They look really good. They're red hot. I don't know. I can't forget how many in a row they've won. I think they're about five in a row right now. But um, they're playing some excellent basketball with my guy Loren Christian Jackson. I just think they're deeper. They're bigger. They're stronger. Um, Ball State, it's kind of it's a two-man team. You know, K.J. Walton, Ishmael El-Amin. And besides that, I don't think they have the depth as Akron. So look for the Zips to roll. Minus four and a half should win comfortably. So the second game, not a mid-major game, but one of the teams I have loved this year, Texas Tech minus 1.5 over LSU. Tech coming off a tough loss to Kansas this past week. Watch the game. And uh, they are deep. They're good. I think they're clutch. I think Chris Beard's getting them trending in the right direction as we head towards March. And I think they should beat LSU comfortably. So take the Red Raiders minus one and a half. And then another game I do like, Toledo minus four over Bowling Green. Toledo is red hot. And so I just think they are by far and away the best team in the Mid-American. 
Bowling Green has been struggling of late. They were in contention for a bit, but they've dropped a bunch of games over the past couple weeks, and I just think Toledo rolls comfortably. So shout-out to my guy Marion Jackson, Keyshawn Saunders on Toledo. They'll cover the four, no problem. And another game I love, LIU. It's a pick over St. Francis, Pennsylvania. So LIU, the Long Island Sharks, 5-3 and three on the season. And St. Francis, 4-9. and nine. So these teams have played each other twice already this year. LIU won both games. I watched one of the games. They beat them pretty comfortably. They got a couple nice little players. And so it's a pick them. Hey, they beat them twice already. Take the odds. Go for number three, LIU, as a pick over St. Francis. And I wish you luck. Two of three last time on my Tuesday pod. So let's hopefully uh, keep the good times rolling. So thanks for listening. As usual, of course, Check out undraftedfreeagent.com, the website back up and running. I finally paid someone to help me with the design a little bit, so things are looking really good. I'll start to populate it with some better content now as we head towards March Madness. And, of course, drop me a line on Twitter, at Mr. McKee. And, of course, follow the Undrafted Free Agent socials. The Instagram's getting there. Twitter needs some work. And we're even on Facebook, too. So all the content, all the podcasts I post on all of those social channels. And I did have a Parler account before they shut down Parler. And so if uh, the government ever takes their foot off uh, that dude's throat, I'll put, the, put it back up there as well. But uh, thanks for listening. I'm going to keep on turning them out. The beating of my heart.